Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Kyle. I have a 3D printer, and I'm apparently now allowed to print a gun. I'm Nick, and the DMV was actually a pleasant experience. Wait, what? And I'm Brent, and I'm actually looking forward to a cold wave. And this is If I May, episode 11. Let's go. Brent, you want to kick us off with some new news? Yeah, so... um. Zarbust, which is our group that we are making, if I may, with, has a few quick updates about what we're doing. We've started a new video uh, stream kind of session on our YouTube channel. Uh, Kyle, you want to talk about that just real quick? Yeah, so I guess once a week I'll be del- I'll be uh, doing a small video and then I'll stream the, basically the making of that video where I'm going to 3D print a something to solve a problem I have around the house until I run out of problems in my house and then I don't know what I'll 3D print. But for now, uh, I'll basically, I'll stream me designing the something I'm going to print and then I'll also stream the print itself. So if you're interested in that and then I'll, at the end, I'll make a video out of those uh, things. So if you're interested in that, check out the Zarubust YouTube channel, Z-A-R-U-B-U-S-T. Yeah, and that's a that's a kind of a funny problem to have. Like, I have no more problems. First world issues, right there. <laughs> we'll I we'll see there. if it gets to that point ever. Um, other updates. Uh, we're gonna start posting on our blog more. Uh, stay tuned with that. And you might be wondering how you can follow all of these crazy stuff that we're starting to unload onto the world. And you can do that through Twitter. Uh, I pushed it before. I got a lot of flack from Nick, but I enjoy it so back off bud but at twitter or at zarubust you follow us on twitter um i usually post if we have anything going on whether it's the videos or the stream or blog post or podcast so give us a follow check it out it's a good way to stay in tune yeah. uh kyle what are you up to um not too much honestly i've been kind of low-key in uh, colorado here uh this weekend i'm actually gonna be helping out with uh they got a habitat house thing it's like a tri- triplex triple triplex not duplex but three of them triplex i don't know they're putting up a brand new triplex thing uh nearby and so uh, my company is helping out with that so i'll be heading over there uh this saturday morning for like six and a half seven hours something like that to uh help build a house like i've helped my dad with construction stuff before and I've done, a, I mean, a little bit of stuff myself, just messing around, but never actually officially helped with building a house. So that'll be kind of interesting. Plus, it's in uh, for some people in need, and so it'll be a good project and uh, chunk a little bit of our Saturday. So my wife and I are both if going, I, so that, that should be a good, good experience. If I may, is that like a triplex kind of like a houseception where it's like a house inside of a house inside of a house? like? I'm assuming it, it's going to be like a duplex, maybe. Oh, you're right. I don't know if it's going to be leveled, like basement, main floor, upper floor. Maybe that's the way it's supposed to be for three families. I don't know. I guess I'll uh, let you guys know once I find out. I guess like duplex, I always think is side by side. But yeah, with a, a triplex, they might have, you know, three levels, you know, three finished levels where there can be a family on each level of the house. Not sure. Depends. Depends on uh, the duplex situation. Triplex. Depends on how it's built, because there's well, right. I'm I'm referencing du- just a duplex though, um, because there's the the classic built to be a duplex where it's, um, you know, mirror images of of each other on either side of a house, um, but there's also a lot of rental situations that are not a true duplex where 
you have residents living on the second floor where they have an, their own private entrance um, or a shared entrance. And then you have residents uh, renting separately on, on a lower floor. Uh, my fiance had that situation uh, at where she was on the lower floor and separate renters had the upper floor and they had a, a shared entrance. Uh, just the front door led to a stairs that went right upstairs and then there was a separate door into the lower section so i don't know if that qualifies as a duplex by definition i think it was just a house converted to rent out to two separate groups but um triplex will be interesting because it would it, you can't have a three way mirrored image that would get all kinds of complicated real quick yeah my best guess is probably three levels like a basement level a main floor and a second floor it would be my guess but I don't know. I guess I'll, I'll let you guys know. Or maybe it's like on the corner of some block where it's able to do two different entrances from the side and then the upstairs. I don't know. We'll find out on yeah, Saturday. That really interesting. Or maybe not because you might not be that far in the building. Probably. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure what stat like because when can they bring in volunteers? Like obviously they probably have the basement and that kind of thing poured already. Like I don't think you can really take volunteers that have no idea what they're doing for that because they were literally like I mean obviously experience is would be nice but no experience needed. You know they can just you can just move stuff. So I guess I'm not yeah I'm not sure what state the house is in currently. I'll uh, let you guys know next week. Why well, I always thought uh, if, was if I may. The state that it's in is, is Colorado, I believe, Kyle? Correct. Uh, uh, I see what you did there. I don't get it. Uh, so the thing, it's the <laughs> state that... Uh, never mind, Kyle. You'll get it someday. No, this... The, I, I don't know what I said. Job, you said the state of the house is in. Well, oh, you're saying that the state I, I, is okay, in. Okay, okay, okay. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Okay. The joke loses <laughs> something. I lost. Yeah, right, right, you, you guys hear say. that? That was like going over my head. Whoa, there it is. Yep, it's gone. It <laughs> Missed it. The thing I like about Habitat for Humanity, um, I learned a little bit about this from Heather, is that the uh, people that get the houses actually have to volunteer a certain number of hours into the house themselves. So I okay. feel like you get a really good proud, like ownership into this is something not only that we're getting, it's really nice, but it's also something that we helped build this is you know it's our house they're definitely cool to help build your own house i think that's a that's a cool thing my grandpa built his own house like where where my dad grew up that house my my grandpa built so it's like oh that's kind of cool and i think and then my uncle designed his own house he's an engineer i was like i kind of want to do that when i get older design my own house probably more expensive but then you get exactly what you want Oh yeah, it definitely works out. It always looks nice when you can put your own ideas, provided your own ideas aren't complete garbage. Yeah, right. I think it'd be one of those things where I I get what I think I want, give it to somebody who's a professional, and then be like, "You're an idiot." <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to put that there. Yeah, right. Clearly, you have clearly the two outlets. Door goes underneath <laughs> the welcome mat, and the bookshelf <laughs> needs to open up when I pull the third book on the yes, fourth, yes, to the, the secret room that's obviously there. Yeah, it's like the old engineering textbook that you'll, you'll never actually read or ever will read that you just have on the shelf next to all these other like obviously good books like Harry Potter, I'm sure. Yeah, it's surrounded by Harry Potter books. Like, oh, I wonder what this book is. <laughs> it's not in the right place. That'd be hilarious. I wonder if they ever think about that. Like, what? so, okay, you have a special bookshelf that gets to your secret hideaway and you have the special book that pulls it open. 
Like the rest of the books on there are, are real. So what if you're actually into books and then you get a new book and like you'd have to order it somehow, right? Or do people just, because like the people with, rich people with libraries in their house, you think they'd like order their books by like the dual Dewey Decimal System or something similar. So if they didn't have, if they had that one special book and all of a sudden they got a bunch of brand new books, they got to reorganize, but they got to like keep in mind like, oh, I can't move this book though. Otherwise it's going to be obvious which book it is. Or what well, think too. The person who like built it too obviously knows what book it is. So what do you do with that? Yeah, I, I can think of only one possible solution, but I don't think it's legal. Um <laughs> they back in the day, Genghis Khan, so one of the great mysteries of this world is Genghis Khan, the great conqueror. I want this to be a really interesting story, is that they don't know where he's buried. And what happened, and I don't, I'm paraphrasing, I think, is basically the people that moved his coffin, got killed, were like instructed then to be killed by other people who knew that those people knew. And then certain other people killed those people. And it was just like, nobody was left alive who had any idea of where his burial location was. So, Well, didn't like the Egyptians have the builders of the pyramids like buried in the tomb with them? Correct. That would make sense. So do you do that with a secret I feel that wouldn't have been a popular or, job. Be like, you want to build this pyramid? I'd be like, ah, nah, that ain't for me. <laughs> uh, I heard about happening at the guy over at uh, 4A. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, so how do you keep a secret room actually secret unless you build it yourself? That's what you got to do. You gotta, or you got to build a whole big room and then just leave a section of it or, you know, I don't know, cut off a section of it. And yeah, you'd have to do it yourself. That's the only way. Enough. And speaking of secret rooms, Nick, have you found any yet in your new place? Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. You have a new house. Have you explored every little facet? Um, More or less. I'm a bit of a neat freak uh, when I move into a new house. So I haven't cleaned everything to the extent that I'm going to, obviously because I'm still in the midst of moving, which is, you know, kind of touching on my updates. But um, no, the the one space we have that's kind of secret is not really secret. There's a formal door right to it. You could disguise the door if you wanted to, but there's a there's a pretty good size crawl space because it's a split level. Um, the There's like a mudroom when you first walk in and there's a crawl space that goes the length of the, or not the length, the depth of the house. Um, goes behind the fireplace and we crawled in there to make sure it was dry when we were looking at the house just to evaluate the the shape of it and it was dry um well maintained and clean i don't know if they clean if, they might have cleaned if it, i but. may you climbed in to see if it could be a cool little play for it <laughs> right get the blankets the in there you're golden <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for structural integrity and, and water and other issues but oh, he's um, become an adult now yeah, no, that was a sad realization. Yelling at kids when for fireworks. The, the kid in me is gone. But uh, realistically, that could be made into a, a secret area. But as someone who is over six feet tall uh, and certainly not a child in any physical way, um, it's it's not real handy. There's a light down there. So, I mean, you can turn a light on and crawl all the way back there, but uh, it's certainly not comfortable. So, we have to do uh, you is could say the. You have to hide it. And then when you eventually have kids. That you just make sure they don't know about it until eventually you play hide and seek, and then you just destroy them. <laughs> you never knew. 
that actually kind of reminds me um nick i'm sure you remember fondly as i do but that house you originally kind of grew up in down the basement that crawl space up ahead oh i love that in in the the house in like by appleton east regal yeah at regal yeah. terrace yeah regal there was a crawl space there so you go like down the basement, <laughs> didn't even know and then that's how secret it was. No, we would we'd play there. So it was like you had the basement floor, and then you had to crawl up something, and then like it was kind of elevated under the stair. I don't even know. I remember we used to play like Power Rangers up there. Was it under the deck or under? Was it, it was in the basement? basement? It was in the basement. It it kind of makes sense because I remember the shape of that house in the same way that the house I bought is a split level. The house that I grew up in on Regal Terrace is is a, be- a bit of a weird split level because there was like the the kitchen and first living room in the front and it didn't flow real well, but then there was the kitchen and then to the right there was like a, not a basement because it, like it was like a lower level split level. Um, and then from there, the basement went to the other side. So if you logically follow that, it, for there to be a crawl space would make sense but i can't remember for the life of me where it was i just knew oh. i was i think i was scared of the basement for a long time growing up um maybe it was in that second level my room, i remember there's a place that we would climb up into and play and it was so yeah much fun. my room was in in the basement and i remember always being scared and I, we had a cat and it would go in and out the the basement door because there was like a little cat door or dog door animal door uh, will be <laughs> will a be flap uh, in the door pet neutral but um yeah there was a flap for it to go down and i remember being in my bed and staring at that and it was always so dark and i was you know at that age where you're scared of the dark and you couldn't figure it out but um no i, I vaguely remember what, a number 13, of 14 spaces. for you uh, 15 actually no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> i vaguely remember a number of crawl spaces and i can i can remember always being comfortable i my grandfather was a miner um up in up in houghton so crawl spaces have never really bothered me by any means my mother's newer house when she moved near roosevelt had a crawl space and i never really went in that one it was just filthy but um crawling through different spaces and cave-like areas has always been kind of a a thing i enjoy doing and building forts and all that other lovely stuff so I, I i don't remember perfectly what that scenario or situation was i'll take your word for it that it was at regal terrace though it was such a long time ago and i feel like you've lived in a gazillion places since then but so i always like stood out because like i didn't live there so you go to a place and it's like oh this is something new like i yeah. really it's awesome it's like kyle's basement or like closet where there's a hole that went down into the basement <laughs> and you turned into a that's a whole other thing. <laughs> so, so if I may, I'll, I'll take the the talking about different houses into uh, my my updates for the week, just because that's a nice segue, and in the gazillion place of uh, places I've allegedly uh, lived. Uh, my discussion <laughs> point for today is more slow moving or fast moving. Uh, I find myself in the situation uh, for the first time uh, that. I am able to quote unquote slow move rather than fast move. And a fast move is you pack up everything in one or two days and you make, you know, one or two big runs. And it's just a matter of get everything as fast as you can. You waited until the 30th or the 31st to move and you need to be out by the first or, you know, before the end of the 31st, like at midnight. So fast moves I'm used to. 
when I, you know, travel from state to state, I had to fast move. Kyle, obviously you had an experience with packing all of your belongings and your wife's belongings and, you know, moving out. And Brent, you're obviously very, very familiar as well. But um, for the first time ever, I'm, I'm doing a slow move. And with buying the house, there's a number of projects that we're working on. Um, and my my approach has been simply every time I go to the house, which has been every day except except one, I think, maybe two, but um, every day I've gone to the house to work on different things or take out the garbage or whatever it may be. At, at all but one day I've, I've gone to the house and I've taken, I've taken stuff with me, you know, just whatever I can grab. And honestly, I'm at the point where the majority of the stuff I've, I've basically moved, which leaves me in a, in a unique situation with respect to the only things we have at our, our current house are the, the beds, the large furniture that doesn't fit, and then because Megan's considering staying here like it's an apartment, you know, with bare minimums, we've left a few plates, uh, a couple sets of forks, uh, some some cooking stuff, and then the computer and the Wi-Fi. Um, and the Wi-Fi was a, a, a hotly discussed item where because I got the TV installed and, and uh, set up, I was considering, okay, well, let me bring the Wi-Fi over and set that up and um, connect the TV and make sure everything works and you know I can bring over my computer and my games. But um, the, old, the old adage, not that old given the nature of it, but uh, the, the adage, if you will, of uh, home is where the Wi-Fi is, uh, you know, not, not super popular with uh, some people or they don't like to it's admit it. It's a newer it. term. It's a ironically, term. ironically, it was a matter of, okay, well, if you take the Wi-Fi, you, you might as well take the beds. And I'm, I'm trying to find, follow the logic. And I'm, I'm just as, I'm just as guilty. No, it's I mean, 100% here, true. In all it, of my really moves. Is. Yeah. In all of my moves in college, like to and from college every single year. And then between the couple moves I've done semi-recently, the very, the first thing to get set up and the last thing to get taken down is the Wi-Fi. True. Yes, and that's that's where we find ourselves because I I made the initial proposal of okay, well, as I'm setting things up and, and moving over, I'm going to be spending more time at the house, and if I want to listen to Pandora or Spotify or um, some silly YouTube channel that you know has podcasts um, with with three morons on it, well, I, I need I need, I need Wi-Fi. Hey now. So <laughs> if, if I don't want to burn through all my sure. data. So if I'm spending all day there, it makes it sense to have the Wi-Fi there, but then I'm still sleeping here. And then it wasn't even me in this discussion that said, well, if you're bringing the Wi-Fi, we might as well move everything. And I'm just kind of like, that's what? weird. Well, yeah, I, let's I, move everything. So it's just well, like, okay, so are, are we going to you know, move up the actual move date because we moved the Wi-Fi? Um, that, was, that was realistically the only trigger you know you can move one or two beds and okay well if you can do it without having to rent the formal truck okay but you can move basically anything outside of what can what needs to fit in the truck and then the wi-fi and you can still call your first your home your first place but as soon as you move um you know the stuff that goes in the truck the beds the cut the the couch the, the large chairs or the wi-fi then you've officially unofficially moved out. Okay. So, so I guess Kyle, it sounds like you're in agreement. I'd like to get oh, yeah. Brent's input. 100%. Well. Brent, what's your so opinion my, on life? Yep, go ahead. My thought on this is you have a golden opportunity. You don't have to bring the Wi Fi with you. You can upgrade your router right now. You have a chance to be like, oh, I just, you know, I'll. We can keep the Wi-Fi here so you can use it, and I'll just take this Wi-Fi router over here that's newer, and you have a chance to get faster. Then you're paying for two services. 
Yeah, that, it, it's for like good a month though. For a month. It's it's good in concept, but yes, you'd be paying, you'd be overlapping your your payment for the service of internet at both locations. Problem number one. Problem sure. number two. I invested in a combination modem router a number of years ago and spent way too much money on it. So that's that actually pretty well set. And so it's that's actually really smart though because you know. The logic being, if the Wi-Fi is over at the house, why come back to the one that doesn't have it? Right, you can't sleep somewhere without Wi-Fi to like look at something on your phone in the middle of the night. You never, you never know. Well, and that's that's the irony because I'm sitting here, you know, kind of thinking about it, and you know, it's it's not me. It's selfishly, you know, I I think I'm the one who games. I'm the one who has a podcast with my friends, and you know, I'm the one who, um, you know, is on the internet more. But uh, Megan. Megan likes Netflix. Megan Megan likes to uh, purposely not be on her, to her credit, she doesn't like to be on her phone or on Facebook or anything else while, while she's at work. So she really shuts down her phone for the most part and doesn't use the work Wi-Fi to check her email and do this, that, and the other thing. So those are all to her credit, but that's with the understanding that when she gets home, she'll have Wi-Fi, she'll be able to connect, she can Catch up on all check all of her stuff. Yeah. Right. But if I take the Wi-Fi, then she's got to use her data. I guess there's a family plan involved. I don't know the details, but um, it's it uh, it became an interesting discussion because you know I thought I thought, and I I think she even would say that you know I was the one who used the internet the most, and I pay um, I actually pay all the internet just because um, I, I want a higher speed. So I basically said because I'm paying for the more premium internet, I'll I'll just take that bill. That's that's mine. Um, because she'd just pay for the minimum package and that would more than meet her needs. But um, yeah, but just interesting, that, yeah. interesting train of thought as we're looking to move everything that the the straw that broke the camel's back was the, if you move that Wi-Fi, you might as well just move everything. It's like, so oh, with okay. Wi-Fi, if I may, I think there needs to be a rule. So like, what's the first thing you always ask whenever you get to somebody's house? Hey, do you have Wi-Fi? What's the password? There, we need to have a standard of where you just post it in the house so that way all your guests know, oh, just look on the fridge. That's where the Wi-Fi password is in everybody's house. And then we're good. You know, like everybody, like uh, all your cups are typically around the sink because that's where you're going to most likely get your water from. Like that, that's a fairly standard place. If, your if your forks may. are typically in like a drawer. I'm trying to think of other things that are like very common locations for guests to know where they are. Toilet paper, likely under the sink if you need an extra roll. We need a Wi-Fi password spot that's standard for everybody to just if, throw their Wi-Fi password so other guests can if, get Wi-Fi. If I may, I love, I love the idea. However, uh, I, I've also had many a person neighbor what have you come visit my house who i don't necessarily want on my wi-fi uh especially with neighbors if you have it posted on your fridge and the neighbors come over because you had a pool party or you had a packer packer watching party or heaven forbid in minnesota a vikings watching party um you don't want your your favorite neighbor ted coming over and weird ted all of a sudden has your internet and wi-fi password um so, so for f friends, I, I love the concept. I love the idea. Sharing is caring. There's no reason you wouldn't share your your Wi-Fi password with those individuals. However, um, there would need to be a a a system to 
ensure that uh, neighbors and other individuals were not mooching off of your internet. Because as someone who, you know, again, plays games, likes to be active on the internet and keep up to date on things, that would drive me wild if I were losing internet speed because one or two of my neighbors knows I pay a premium for fast internet. And then, yeah, they, they hop on it and say, oh, yeah, well, Nick pays for premium internet, so we'll just take his and stop paying ourselves entirely. And it can easily handle the load, which would... You know, I'm not. I'm not sure the likelihood of all that is high, and hopefully your neighbors wouldn't do that. But um, I'm not the most trusting individual in in a lot of ways, such as that. But I, so, I, I like the concept. I really do. I complete. I completely agree. I was going to think that you know the one thing I'd watch out for is people that are living right next door that could just keep hogging, hopping on. So I I agree with that. So maybe it needs to be like completely. a sliding thing, where like it's covered. It's like it's like one of those like picture things at a zoo where it's like here's the animal lift to learn more something like that where it's like wi-fi password below here so if you like the neighbors over and they start going for it be like ah, no not you yeah <laughs> i think it, i think it needs to still be a, a maintained secret to an extent uh most of the friends that i've had who we do share internet with when we go to their house have have passwords that are um of a certain nature that may or may not be appropriate they're usually long words um, and and certain things that are just off the wall, but um, yeah, certainly they they share that with the people that they choose to share that with, which is important. Uh, having it posted would be detrimental, and I mean, if you have a lot of windows and it's posted on the fridge, and your creepy neighbor Tom just looks through the window because that's what Tom Damn does on Tom. his days off, <laughs> and grabs your password. What are you doing, Tom? Oh, my so I didn't, Tom. Goodness, the other. The other note that I had for this week, gentlemen, was uh, as we're in the lull where no relevant sports are occurring. Sorry, sorry, baseball, you're you're kind of fun, but for the first time, right. baseball is fun to go to live, but I, I cannot stand watching it on TV. Okay. Well, I think the reason why it's kind of boring is they have the equivalent of these long seasons where there's 160 some games. Every 10, 10 games is equivalent of like one NFL game. So right, they're like, on all the time. Yeah, you're judging games based off a 10-game span instead of Don't worry, the, the one game. The NFL yeah. gets the same amount of advertising in in a much shorter time. They just, oh, you know, extend the game. And, you know, that was one stat for the NFL. Like, what do you think the average actual active time in a game is for any given NFL game week to week? And I think the actual time spent playing the game was – 15 20 minutes um the rest of the time is you know falls off as the ball is live or they haven't called a play but the actual you know five or six seconds per play you end up with like 15 minutes or less of the actual game being played yeah, it was like so, the average nfl play was, is only like seven and a half seconds or something like that oh my um, probably closer to six but yes um crazy short at any rate my initial my initial point sorry uh focusing Injuries appear to have already struck the Packers, uh, which is heartbreaking uh, to see a, a young linebacker who is up and coming and shows a lot of great talent. Jake Wait, Ryan. Now, oh no. Jake Ryan appears to have injured his knee. Now they haven't come out with anything formal. Uh, there is the discussion of a potential season-ending injury um, with respect to ACL, MCL, all those uh, lovely categories. Jake Ryan was a um, is a fantastic young talent who I was looking forward to seeing. Um, you know, help out Blake Martinez, who is a, a beast in the middle. Um, now Jake Ryan was allegedly supposed to be the other middle linebacker, but that lets me question. 
where, where were you going to put Clay Matthews? He can't play the edge anymore. You know, he's, he's not that fast. So oh, I know um, I'm hoping they put Clay back in the middle. And, um, you know, they'll, they'll put him on the edge, but I, I don't think they should. But that's your, your uh, Packer update for the week. You uh, put him injuries, back on the bench. injuries struck in the sense of, of Jake Ryan. Uh, I think Mike Daniels had a, a strain, but he's fine uh, just taking some time off. And then I think there was one other injury that was remotely How's Jordy doing? Oh, wait. I'm forgetting. Oh, come on. Too soon. He's doing really good, actually. There's just a thing out where uh, Derek Carr, the quarterback for Oakland Raiders, were like, why did the Packers get rid of this guy? He's amazing. So Nobody knows. Yeah, this other thing, too, is like that's going to be a huge vote of like, uh, not confidence, but like a screw you Packers kind of thing. You know, he's, he's going to have a lot more energy going into the season, I think, than he maybe would have. You know, be like, you guys got rid of me. I'm going to show you. Like, maybe I don't know if that's the kind of attitude he has, but I could see somebody having that attitude. I think every player has a sort of that kind of chip on their shoulder attitude. It's just really hard to if I get may the motivation to play without if having some reason. I may. I I would I would unfortunately have to disagree purely due to the stats. Now. As a player and as someone who who loves the game and appreciates the game, yes, they're going to work hard. But you can't tell me that they all feel as aggressive as they should all the time because you have players who come out year after year and are, you know, on a, a certain par level. They're good, but they're they're, you know, average. And then once every certain number of years, they will explode statistically. They will go off the charts. And wouldn't you know it, almost every one of those years, it happens to be a contract-defining year. Um, disappointing reality of the game is that when it's your time to get a contract renewal, uh, these guys will do anything and everything to absolutely ball out be the best they can look absolutely amazing make plays that are superhuman uh just so they can get that contract and when they get that max deal um the unfortunate truth is a lot of the, the most talented guys they slow down a bit yeah they still play for their ego they still play for you know to be one of the best guys in the league and, and you know to help their team a little bit but um I, I am of the opinion, a, a, a disappointed opinion, um, you know, as a fan, but I am of the opinion that players, for the most part, try much, much harder on a contract year, which also alludes to my fantasy football strategy, that if there's a player in a primetime position who's in a contract year, um, they are someone you are going to want to have on your team because they will be going above and beyond what they're normally capable of uh, in order to get that next long-term deal. If I may uh, interject what Kyle normally says in these situations, you got to follow the money. And um, that's, that actually does have a good point. Though in some players' um, cases, they just don't have the talent that... Well, I, I, I heard so that a lot of players... Out and just don't have the talent. I heard that a lot of players actually have like performance-based stuff in their contract too. Like if you get so many tackles or whatever's prudent to the position, if you get so many tackles or do so many good things, you get a bonus or whatever. There is more and more of that going on, yes, to attempt to incentivize uh, against situations like I just discussed. But 
that that will be anyway. That was that was my Packer update. I don't want to go too far down the football path just because uh, the season hasn't started yet. And I don't want to bore anybody. Oh, we'll to we'll death get into it later. I'm who sure. doesn't appreciate sports ball? Sports ball. Gotta love sports ball. So no, Nick. In, the, in, oh, go ahead, Brent. It's just I think the thing that makes football so hard in particular is just the injuries. That you know, there's just so many every year, and I don't, I don't know what the NFL can do, whether it's better conditioning or slowing the game down or or what. But you get so many injuries, it's just like mm, it's no, it's the no. modern day coliseum. I'm I'm sorry. Uh, you can do all you want for player health and player safety and this and that and the other thing. The reason football is as popular as it is, despite the obscene number of commercials, the crazy limited time of actual play uh, again the you know under 15 minutes or something of actual play occurring um it, it is it is the modern coliseum you have the strongest best athletes possible out there beating the living hell out of each other for our entertainment and you can you know try and eliminate the big hits you can try and you know eliminate kickoffs altogether because it's a quote-unquote dangerous play but it it, it no longer becomes the game that America and, and maybe even in parts of the world, it's I know football is, is the world sport, but I'm gonna I'll make the stretch for the statement. Um, you know, it's that's why they love it because it's brutal because it's entertaining. Uh, as soon as it gets too far astray from from that brutality, from that um, you know historical you know coliseum esque thing, um, it, it won't be as popular. It, it, people won't tune in without the brutal hits no one goes out to watch you know a quarterback just throw to open wide receivers and watch them prance into the end zone like i i love the packers and i want to see them succeed all day long i'll see aaron Rodgers throw bombs and prancing into the end zone all day (laughs) okay it's not like the packers can tackle so if you had if you had matt stafford also just throwing you know, perfect spirals to wide open guys and running down the field. You, you could have scoring all day long. Uh, you could have scoring. <laughs> I, miss I miss Calvin Johnson. That it's, used to be the Lions. It's going to be the same game. You're going to lose your audience if there's that lack of brutality. Uh, so naturally, along those same lines, there will be injuries because this is the the highest level of of a number of sports. It's it's not an endurance game where you just keep going and it's the same repetitive motion and, and stuff like that. It is, it is just burst. It is five, six seconds of everything your body can possibly give. And at the highest level, the tendons can't keep up with what the muscles can do on these athletes. Um, it's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's the science behind it is, is fascinating, but, um, the injuries will always be there. It's a sad, sad part of the game and you can protect the players to an extent. But again, at what point does it not become the brutal showdown of, of physical Titans, you know, coming together with, um, you know, epic hits and the destruction that, that draws people in. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah. The, the aerial show is, is cute, but uh, without the defense there to knock some teeth in, um, and not literally because you have mouth guards now, but um, without without that aspect, nice. it's it's just not as entertaining. Speaking of entertaining, uh, from the Zarbus Twitter, we've been apparently tweeting a lot about aliens. Uh, Brent, what's why are we tweeting about aliens so much? I I mean. It just seems like that's the theme <laughs> that's going on right now. Uh, that was convincing. 
very it's, convincing. It, so you look and you, you see. If, if I may, did I did I sign off on these 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 Twitter posts? These we alien posted things? them, Nick. We posted them. We posted them. We, we posted we. them. This <laughs> you know, if word you is a dangerous anything, word. If you had anything interesting to share, I would gladly post that, <laughs> pass that along. But the thing is, I like I look through and it started off innocently enough. Um, I think there's something with like Mars going on right now where they found this big body of water that wasn't the ice that they were talking about earlier or something like that. And they're like, wow, there could be life here. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's cool. That's science or whatever. And then there's this like random YouTuber who like some other random YouTubers thing where he's looking at some birds and is like, oh, I wonder what this is. It's unidentified. Well, obviously that's aliens. Like if you don't know what it is and it's floating in the sky, like, come on, it's aliens. And then there's more things about scientists found this really giant, big, crazy thing uh, that they're like, this could be an alien structure. It's like, wow, that's real creative. Like, you don't know what it is, just call an alien. So I just, I'm noticing this trend and I just, I find it interesting. I don't know if it's just because it's like summer and you get more type of sighting stuff or people really. I mean, people are outside more. Yeah, or people really like this like science thing, but like I know aliens were big Area Fifty One. I feel like that was so long ago, and yet people are still like obsessed with aliens. Is, is Area Fifty One still a thing? I'm, I, I'm like I know I'm it still sure. exists, but I don't know. I mean, in my in my opinion, aliens are definitely aliens for sure exist. Like they're they're out there somewhere. Uh, have they made it's contact with really us like, already? I highly doubt it. I know uh, one of the bigger theories is like if we do make contact with aliens, it's likely very bad because they're likely much more advanced than us if they're able to get to us from wherever they are. So uh, it, we, it likely will not turn out well for us, similar to us saying hi to the Indians when the Europeans came over. Um, it, it's Fair yeah. Fair If we do find aliens, it'll probably be a bad thing unless we go to another world and find them, in which case it's most likely bad for them. Because we'll end up screwing something up. Oh, easily, easily. If I can, if I can give my uh, my input from uh, the the cynic that I am, um, yeah, I, I am a f- huge fan of. Well, not not fan. That's not the right term. I am a a believer that um, aliens definitely exist in some way, shape, or form. And as science has advanced, we are on the cusp of being able to to officially prove that life exists elsewhere now if that's uh on the you know behind the polar caps um on on mars several miles deep where there's you know a saltwater lake underwater uh, which is what that was about brent um then fantastic uh if that's um the alien superstructure that you have a star off in the distance and something is orbiting that star and creates a shadow that's inconsistent with anything you can figure out. Um, great. But at some point we will be proving that there is life outside of the planet earth and the cynic in me can't wait to hear what religion has to say about it. Um, as religion has developed and I'm, 
I am a believer in God. I, I, I guess I'm not an atheist, uh, though probably closer than, than most. Um, yeah, the biggest issue I have is with God's fan club, if I can steal movie quotes. Um, I, I can't wait to hear what the religious authorities, the people who control other people, have to say about finding actual aliens. Um, and aliens have come in multiple forms. My first guess is we're going to find life in the form of bacteria on Mars. Uh, whether that's you know in the water sources that are miles underground or some other aspect, there will be a a defined quote unquote life moment, and um, that will be the first discovery. But am I a huge believer in that there's a a race that can build spaceships better than us and do all these other things better than us? Not really, not necessarily. I mean, it, it, it can certainly happen. I, I don't, I'm not one who believes we are the most advanced there is in the universe. I think it's so broad that I can't even begin to fathom everything out there. Um, but it, it'll be if when we do describe, if, if when we do find, find alien life, excuse me, can't talk. If and when we do find alien life, I, I believe first and foremost, it won't be intelligent life. Intelligent life and finding that is, in my mind, years and years off. Um, to Kyle's earlier comment, I think you had stated, uh, you know, that you don't believe that someone would reach out to us and try and communicate with us, and I, I, I agree. Um, our history has taught us that first contact with our own kind is costly. Uh, cue the Native Americans and the colonizers coming over and you know, slavery and everything There's else. There's many, many examples humanity. throughout history of that, yeah. Right. So if you have a, a, a race that's more intelligent, that's more experienced, that has done this kind of thing before, hopefully, um, you know, they're not going to do it the wrong way. They're not going to do it poorly. You'd think if they're that advanced, or at least you'd hope. Um, now there's the chance that they're colonizers and they're, you know, everything the movies have ever if dreamt they're colonizers, of. colonizers, that's also bad for us. Bad. Right, yeah. I don't know if scenarios are bad for us. But um, yeah, I, I think we're a long ways off due to the size of the universe from finding intelligent life. Now, again, finding bacteria and everything else, I think that's just a matter of time. I think it will happen in the next 20 years, maybe less than that, with respect to finding, yep, we have proof as defined by scientists that uh, this exists and we can have spaceships there in 10 years or however long it takes to travel. Assuming it'll get faster. Well, it depends if Elon Musk's involved. Well, if it's Mars, if if it's Mars, that's, that's a, a reasonable number of years. If it's outside of our, so, if so, it's outside system that it's a bigger task i mean with mars we already have the ability to get stuff to mars very consistently and actually it's just a matter of getting humans to mars if that's what would be deemed necessary because i know um for uh like elon musk has uh he literally has a bfr is the next rocket they're working on it stands for exactly what you might think big uh f rocket um so that Theoretically, I mean, first of all, the the his most current one, the the heavy load one, payload one that did the Tesla into orbit, that one already has the ability to be able to get to Mars. Uh, it's just and and put a lot of payload up to Mars. Uh, so getting to Mars isn't the hard part; it's the whole getting back thing with fuel that's the hard part, and the financial need or benefit of getting there. I mean, you don't want to spend a ton of money to get there and be like, oh great, now what? You want to you want to accomplish something. Um, 
for so sorry go ahead brent oh no i i was just drawing a random connection while you're mentioning all this and i was like why is this alien talk all coming up and why is it so relevant it seems like right now and i think part of it is that mars is the closest it's been to earth in the last 15 years i want to say so that could be maybe maybe with mars yeah, i want to say every close, like three years or so exciting. mars is pretty close and then yeah like you're saying like every 12 to 15 years it's super close so i wonder if that's why there's such a big hubbub is like mars the martians are like they're close to us kind of relatively speaking yeah, I know there's there's two organisms that I've heard of that there's one that's super small, basically like a dust mite, but it can survive in no oxygen, like in the vacuum of space. It can survive in that for uh, years, it seemed, without water, without anything. Uh, so there's something like that. And there's also like worms in caves that the cave is filled with like hydrogen and it's able to breathe the hydrogen. So there's, there's animals that don't require oxygen or even a... Uh, earth atmosphere in order to survive so that's the kind of thing you'd likely see like nick was saying some sort of microorganism of some sort uh on another planet but speaking of things that are in the news like brent was saying um apparently it is now legal to 3d print a firearm so i didn't know that it was illegal before i guess maybe there's i think it sounds like there was a lawsuit between a company that's trying to push uh, the legality of it and the government, and then they won that lawsuit. So it kind of like opens it up that once there's a ruling on it, now that ruling is, has to extend across the board. So as of now, it's apparently legal to print a firearm. So there's a bunch of controversy about this, like, oh, it's going to be the next school shooting. They're just going to print it and bring it in, blah, blah, blah. And I guess, I mean, before we talk about what we think about it being legal to print guns, I want to put a little bit of easy rest easy on people and that number one the there's the the primary 3d printed gun that's full like pretty much fully 3d printed except for a nail to be the firing pin is called the liberator and that thing is a single shot and every single time you shoot it you'd have to replace the barrel and you'd have to have a very good 3d printer in order to print the thing to a significant enough level where you wouldn't risk hurting yourself while shooting it so logistically that thing makes no sense to uh actually use in order to injure people that's 100 percent a hobbyist kind of thing at this point maybe a single shot hope for the best home defense kind of thing but you're i mean you get one bullet with that gun basically and then you're reloading after each every single shot the other big one that people are you know, wine and vote online is the AR 15. And yes, the files are all out there. And it's one of two variants, either a, it's basically just like the, the receiver or like the plastic parts that go on the bottom that receive the magazine, the grip, the trigger, and you'd still have to get machined out from somewhere, the actual, uh, barrel and the, like the, the area that holds the bullet itself. So like, if you think of like a Glock, like the bottom half is plastic, the top half is metal, basically all the plastic parts, you just 3d print instead of getting them injection molded like they would for a standard production. Uh, the second variant is fully 3d printable. However, you need like one of the special metal, uh, machines, which at this point are still like 10 grand ish for a cheap one. So it's way out of the realm of somebody being able to do this for fun. 
um, as far as like it, it would be a company doing it to kind of like prove prototyping thing. It's, it's not to the technology where it's able to be done fully yet at some random person at home. I guess the, the one big risk here is number one, that now that it's legal, it's going to take another higher court ruling to reverse it if it does become a problem. And number two, if technology advances far enough that companies can just print out guns and distribute them without any sort of tracking, that might become an issue is, you know, eventually the future technology of this where uh, a gun could be printed and be fully functional with whatever future technology we have in 3D printing without uh, being traceable as far as now when they when they print these are these plastic or metal like did they like is it is it the printable material that's plastic or are are they melting down metal in the sense that they can actually create because a lot of gun parts are plastic but i feel like in order to shoot a bullet that can be Yes, you could probably get lethal with plastic but yeah so the the liberator uh plastic one it's uh, it's fully plastic except for the firing pin. So that's why like the barrel, I think it's, I think it's designed for a 22 bullet and the entire barrel is like an inch in diameter or something. It's, it's the barrel is a lot thicker than a standard barrel. Cause it's, it's plastic. It's got to hold up to a uh, bullet firing. Whereas the metal in order to get those same forces doesn't have to be nearly as thick. So uh, the liberator is fully plastic and every single time you shoot it, you got to replace the barrel because the barrels, the plastic barrel is gone. Of do, you know if, do you know if gun manufacturers are actually 3D print? Excuse me. Do you know if gun manufacturers are actually 3D printing their guns? And I ask that because I have seen online videos of uh, cement houses being 3D printed. They have the cement. It's processed. It takes time, but you can actually 3D print a cement house essentially. Um, and I'm not sure if that was Russia or some other country. No, it, was, it's 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 spreading around. Houses. Yeah, but uh, it was Russia. Way, if you if you were able to melt down metal and certainly you know program a 3D printer in a way, you you could hypothetically, if you're a gun manufacturer, you could invest the money to 3D print weapons. Now I don't know if that's faster than you know the assembly lines. I'm sure they have, but uh, interesting concept. Yeah, so, so the, the the risk with 3D printing right now, I, I guess I'm not 100% sure exactly what material the metal version of uh, the particular gun that was released is supposed to be out of, but to the, the metal 3D printers that I know of basically do like a powder, like a, a small, a thin layer of like a metal powder, and then hit it with a laser to like melt the powder, and so it'll, it'll fuse to whatever's below it. And then you basically just keep on adding small layers, you know, thin layers of metal powder and then use lasers to fuse it to whatever's below it. And eventually you build up your part like that. The plastic one is just like a, a standard FDM machine, which is what, what I have. So if you look at one of the 3D printer videos we post on the Zarabust YouTube, you can kind of get the idea. There's one small nozzle that slowly lays, lays out material and works its way up. I mean, they're, they're, I'm, I don't think gun manufacturers would use that just because the 3D printed material at this point in time is not as strong as a standard like injection molded part and it's not as fast or cheap. Um, the the electricity alone for 3D printing stuff and the time it would take to 3D print that many doesn't uh, compete with a mold that you can pump out a thousand of these things in a day. 
if, if that makes sense. So I'm sure there's the, the threat of this law is that new gun manufacturers can pop up, print guns that aren't untraceable and sell them without some sort of licensing or, you know, that kind of thing. So, but as a, as a at home person, you really can't do this a safely or B to have a gun that could actually be effective for doing any sort of significant damage. So that was my thought looking at kind of these stories uh, throughout the week. It's been a hot topic. Um, and that it doesn't seem like it's safe yet. I don't know. Just seeing the stuff that you 3d print, um, I don't trust that material to have anything that could potentially explode. It doesn't seem strong enough. Um, and I think the thing that is more worrisome with this is that now that this is like plans are on the internet, there are very smart people who love to tinker and try things sometimes not, like most likely not even maliciously, but just to like make it better and improve it. But now that it's out and lots of people could have access to it, that's a good chance that somebody's going to be able to take it, the technology up to the next step. Um, which I think is what everyone kind of worries about. Well, with the 3D and, printed metal parts, with a ca- if you already have a gun and a calipers and some modeling skills, you could already do it just by grabbing a gun that's already made. With, yeah. you know, the smart tinkering and I, people. And then my other question, and this is a little bit off topic, but I the conversation all makes me think about it, um, especially with Nick talking about downloading a house, I mean, printing a house. So they had those old anti-piracy commercials. Uh, okay, where they I know you're going about, with those. Yes, where they talked about, you know, you wouldn't download a car. Kyle, are we at the level yet where we can download a car? Yeah, you can download a car. I can, do- I can download a full uh, Iron Man suit. And like, I-, I 3D printed the helmet for it. Like, I for this last Halloween, I 3D printed an Iron Man helmet and uh, painted it and whatnot. And, the, you know, the face mask comes off and all that. But yeah, they have the full suit online. But yeah, they I, they have a three D they've three D printed cars already, and I could just three D print my own little download. small car. I just couldn't really ride in it. Would you download it though? I would download it in a second if I wanted it. So is piracy no longer bad? Well, a lot of times, a lot of the stuff on the uh, uh, websites that you can get three D models for for three D printing. Uh, my favorite being Thingiverse is uh, they have copyright uh, stuff on it, like what you can use it for. Uh, everything on the website is feel free to download it and print it for your own use. Some stuff you can actually download, print, and sell to people. Some things you can download, edit it if you want, and then re-upload it as your own, but as long as you tag the previous person. So that there's a lot of copyright rules and whatnot. But one of the cooler ones for cars anyway, I think it's called Open F1 or Open RC. It's a F1, a Formula One race car that's uh, an RC controlled car that you can download and then 3D print and then you can race your buddies or whatever with your 3D printed cars. And there's a guy online that upscaled it by a lot and made it uh, like one tenth scale or, you know, no, it'd be bigger than that. It's like a fifth scale or an eighth scale uh, to the full F1 car. So this thing is massive. You just upscale a little bit more and you can ride in it. Well, I think that's about as good as it's going to get um, rideable 3D cars. Who knew? But uh, anyway, that was episode 11 of If I May. I hope you all enjoyed. We'll see you next time.